London is better than Ireland, I think. Because, like, over in Ireland, there's not much job to sell. It's scarce to get jobs over in Ireland, but if you come over to England and you look for jobs, you'll get jobs. I came to London because I, I was pregnant. I didn't want my parents to know. And that was my decider, and I'm in London a year now. Well, if there's work back home, I'll go back. And in the meantime, there's none there, so I won't go back. I'd like to go back nursing to Ireland, but they don't keep them on as permanent. They only keep them temporary. And therefore, you've no future. Immigration has uh, begun again, particularly in this last year. There's been a sharp increase in the number of young people coming from Ireland looking for uh, accommodation, looking for employment, looking for a new way of life. I was on a coach from Cork, I came on the boat, and I was a bit scared because, like, I wasn't over here before. I wanted to come over when I was 16, but my parents wouldn't let me, so I said I'd stay a while. So anyway, I came over anyway on the boat cut the coach again to Victoria Station. And uh, I was pretty scared, like I didn't know which way to go or what to do. Yeah, I slept rough in the Houston Station for two nights. And, yeah, some of the people sleeping rough were Irish. Some of them were English. Blacks. You know, drunk, most of them were drunks. I arrived in Victoria about seven o'clock in the morning. I said tired, I was asleep. <laughs> Carrie, remember Victoria? Every press, everyone was rushing around here and there. It was peak. It was working hour. And we were coming through that, coming up, giving handing in our tickets at that tube. And everyone was rushing, and we were just strolling along, pushing us out of the way more or less. <laughs> Asked people how to get to Camden Town. They told us we got the tube. From there, then, asked people in the street any connections, any Irish connections we could find. So one old lady told us about the Irish Centre. Well, here in the Irish Centre, what we've experiencing at the moment is that um, we're almost likely to have twice as many newer arrivals from Ireland this year as we had in the whole year last year. Social worker Seamus Taylor meets the hardship cases among the young Irish people now arriving in London. So great is the tradition of Irish emigration to that city that most people will have a friend or relative to stay with when they arrive. The most fortunate of the new immigrants may even have a job lined up in London. But then there is also a steady number who arrive on spec, with no work and no place to stay. The most at risk uh, people we would see would be the younger age group who probably arrive, um, who have never worked in Ireland, who arrive with little or no money, maybe a pound to five pound, and who spend one or two nights sleeping rough at a railway station, arrive into us um, feeling grotty and sweaty and 
basically their first needs are probably physical in terms of food and shelter and a good wash. At Piccadilly Circus tube station, Rupert Chandler works in a strategically placed advice centre for homeless persons. Certainly we've seen more young Irish people over the last few months in London, but there is a general increase in, in young people around at the moment anyway in London. The people that tend to come, I mean in general terms, ages is late teens, early twenties, are the sort of people we see. Um, the reasons why people come to London is because there is still seen that there are opportunities in London compared with home areas. Now that doesn't mean that it's easy in London and people tend not to really understand what a huge complex and basically nasty city London can be. Hello, Ben Burbay is here, Brother John Gall speaking. Yes, we have uh, two places, yes. And from an advice centre, a young Irish person newly arrived in London is likely to be referred to a hostel like Conway House in Kilburn or Benburb Base in Camden Town, where Brother John Gall is in charge. Any young person thinking of coming over here should have at least £100 in his pocket on arrival because the, uh, the uh, social security he gets here will not be dished out till about a week after his arrival. Then they should have some form of um, certificate uh, testifying to their age and uh, who they are, etc., like a passport or a birth cert, so as to get national insurance as quickly as possible. The hostels are run by the church, but effectively financed by the British social security system. Well, it depends very much on the DHSS. They will provide uh, £56 each week. Now, that 56 uh, consists of 37 for rent, and uh, the remainder is pocket money. Uh, we're able to provide uh, full board and lodging for that. Will I get enough to eat? I like so much to food as me and I like great. Wouldn't cover the corner of my stomach. Do you ever regret having left uh, Ireland? Well, I did first. I don't know. How do you mean? Can you explain? Well, I missed home when I came over last year of August '83. And uh, when I came back, and I just didn't really bother thinking of going back home, but I didn't feel homesick or nothing. Just got used to We do expect the men by about half past 11 at night. And if they want to remain out, out longer than that, then they tell the warden who is on duty. Right. Um, our attitude is to create a homely spirit, a kind of a family spirit. And um, our um, procedure consists of instilling a certain amount of discipline, personal discipline, combined with a kind of a family spirit. And if we can, can get that going, the young fellows are very much at home here, and they, they are very anxious to stay on as long as possible. Quite often people accept that this is, this is something that's available and costs nothing, and they will take it. But if there's a bit of a choice around, quite often young people 
Northern Ireland are saying at the moment that no, I don't want to uh, end up part of the Irish community in London. I actually left Ireland because I wanted to experience something new and something different. And there's a little bit of reluctance to um, go into the, the, the very large and, and quite close Irish communities in, in the city. People are actually wanting something different, wanting to find their own way and want a break from, want a break from Ireland. Yeah. And do they manage to find their own way? I think probably most people do in the end, but they may, they may have tough times before it, before it comes out right. And it's those who don't make it that worry Father Bob Gilmore, who heads the Irish Chaplaincy Service in Britain. Dangers uh, for young people coming to uh, a big city like London, or for that matter any other big city, are always there. For example, you have the amusement arcades, uh, which are pick-up places for uh, prostitutes. And that is male and female prostitution. And these are the pick-up places where young people uh, end up in the web of uh, prostitution. You say that there's Irish young people who are uh, involved in the web of prostitution? There are Irish young people, both boys and girls, who are, who are involved in that. That's one of the, danger, one of the, one of the dangers. Do you mean that uh, they get canvassed by pimps, is that it? They do, yeah. Th these people are hanging around all these places where young people congregate. And uh, generally, these uh, places are full all day, every day, indeed, all night. And um, there are so many young people from both the north of England and Scotland uh, and Ireland uh, drifting into the city centres that uh, these are places where such people hang out. Soho in London is a, it's a, it's a rip-off and uh, I'd advise anyone coming over here that uh, if they come over from Ireland or anywhere on the continent, they'd want to come over with plenty of money. For what, like, to get what they're after. <laughs> How do you mean plenty of money? Uh, do you get fooled, you know? Yeah, you get conned. It's a, it's a big con job. You pay about two quid to get into a strip club and uh, you pay about 10 to 15 to get back out again. Because if you don't, you get your head busted. We were in the district club earlier. It was uh, two pound to get in with. The ch chap in the door decided to give us in for uh, 150. And he said two pound for a pair of stairs, for the strip tees. So <coughs> we went upstairs and uh, ordered four beers. That came to 24 pound. So we're questioning the waitress and she said, uh, it's three pound for a half, a half lager, and we got pints, so she wanted twenty-four pound, including tax and whatever. What was your reaction to twenty-four pounds for the four beers? Well, we said it was only one soft occasion, so we'd have it and couldn't drink it. Only the beer was cat. Beer was desperate altogether, so we just uh, waiting for the striptease. We'll call it or no striptease. So we just left in mm -hmm. bad humour. It's five pounds for a fucking pint of lager. <laughs> we thought there was going to be some sort of a strip, and we were caught. There was there was no striptease. No, we left the um the bear with a, a small drop taken over the pint, no strip, and everybody in bad form. What will I get for fifty pence here? Anyways, you go inside the little box, put the fifty p in, and a little hole opens up, and you can see a naked girl dancing for thirty seconds, and that's it. It sounds very expensive, but. <laughs> It is very expensive everywhere here. Well, the men come in these places And the men are all the same You don't look at their faces 
And in one of Soho's sex clubs, I spoke to an Irish striptease artist, 24 years of age and working in London a year now. His name is Dave. I enjoy dancing. Uh, well, I definitely could say that I'm a good dancer, so the audience might enjoy that and they will give you tips as well. Uh, and usually the wage is it's £20. £20 for what? £20 is for a six-hour shift, which is a half an hour dancing, a half an hour break, half an hour dancing and so on for six hours. I myself have enjoyed very much being a male stripper, a male dancer as well. It's one thing I like dancing. And also I suppose it was kind of maybe a narcissistic feeling, whatever, to have people looking at you and getting excited by your presence or whatever. In your act a while ago, the audience was exclusively male and I presume exclusively gay. Um, you know, you're a guy with a girlfriend and so on who I've met. Um, you know, does it trouble you at all um, working in a gay club like that? No, not at all. Um, actually, I quite like working in uh, gay places. I was a dancer before in uh, with male clubs similar to my club. And uh, the only thing which was good about it was that there was no, there was no ripple, which most of the other what we say straight or heterosexual clubs are like, and they are absolute total rip-offs. Like, you, you get a drink for 60 or 50 pounds and you get nothing, there's nothing at all. So, yeah, I've met some cock people earlier and uh, that had happened to them, they paid 24 pounds for four beers. You know, has that happened a lot in the clubs you've worked in? All the time. I mean, that is, that is what goes on, that's the formula. Apart from being a stripper, Dave is also a successful business person in the Soho sex scene. He dances now mainly for pleasure, making his money by running his own club, the Manhattan Male Review Bar, which employs five male strippers. One of the things about this club, which I'm interested in, is that it actually gets young people off the streets, you know? And oh, we have a very friendly atmosphere, we all get on very well here, you know, we're all friends. And it's actually very enjoyable to dance, you know? I just a lot of people think that it's very dark and shady and sort of perverted and corrupt mm. or whatever, and it's not at all. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, it's just a completely normal, healthy desire. No, I'm not gay, but... Um, I don't know, I just, I like running a gay club. Well, working in a sex club is a pretty unusual occupation for an Irish person in London. The building trade remains a much more likely source of work. And just as the new wave of immigration is tending to follow the traditional pattern of settlement in Kilburn and in Camden Town, 
so too the traditional jobs in the building industry are once again being filled by Irish people. Yes, over the last couple of years we've noticed that numbers have gone up considerably, uh, almost back to they were in the early 70s. Builder's employer, Peter Fitzpatrick, comes from a long Irish tradition in the construction industry in London. He sees a contrast between the new wave of immigrants and previous generations of Irish workers. Well, there's a lot of younger uh, lads coming over and uh, they are different because before really they were, they were fellows from the farm and, and now there's a lot more uh, people from Dublin and, and other cities like that. What about their education standards? Generally, the education standards are much higher. We've uh, got young lads with us now who are university graduates uh, working on site uh, without too much hope of a, a, a good future, looking for jobs such as um, foremen and agents and, and so forth, which years ago they would have been going for a much higher position within organisations such as our own. And while job prospects in Britain are not as good as they once were, at the same time the welfare system treats an unemployed Irish worker a lot better than in years gone by. An Irish person may sign the dole in Britain at age 16, two years earlier than in Ireland, and at the same time he will have his accommodation paid for. We increasingly find that the employment contacts that we can put young Irish people in contact with are highly precarious in that they're and marginal jobs within the construction industry and within hotel industry um, and that in many cases they are better off living on supplementary benefit. And the British welfare system helps explain why emigration from Ireland to Britain has begun anew, even if for many school leavers it means merely swapping unemployment in one country for unemployment in another. How long have you been in London? About eight months. And uh, you, what made you leave? Fed up of Ireland. Were you working? Were you working in Ireland? I was, yeah. And you just gave it up? I just gave it up. I just had to come and see what London was all about. What happened to you then when you arrived in London? What did you do? What was the first thing you did? I lived with a, a brother of mine. I left from that. Um, booked into a hotel. I told the social security and they paid it. There was no, there was no, I, I found no hassle here. And how long did you stay in the hotel? I'm still there. So you've been eight months in a hotel, yeah. and you can draw the door. How are you? So, have you looked for work at all in London? Oh yeah, I have. And what happened? <laughs> I mean, the, my, my rent is what, £130 a week, in a bed and breakfast. How am I supposed to pay for that, with a job? Well, your husband liked uh, coming to London, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I think it's okay, yeah. And when did you travel, the same time eight months ago? Yeah, yeah. And uh, what made you decide to do it? Oh, well, we were both fed up at uh, our own town, so we decided to come over here. It might be a change for us. And uh, I gather you've only got married recently. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> yeah, we got married last week. <laughs> last Saturday in Quicks Road, the church up there. And what are you doing with yourself now here in London, apart from being your husband's wife? Making love. <laughs> <laughs> Making love. <laughs> Are you working? No, no, not working at all. And uh, how do you spend your time? In bed. Oh, <laughs> you? Well, it's the way everyone else, I suppose, passes away their time. 
there are major reforms proposed for the social security system in Britain coming in from next April, and they will have very important consequences for young Irish people coming to London. It's proposed that um, people in the 16 to 18 age bracket will receive no benefit at all. It's also proposed that people will only receive um, board and lodgings money for four weeks, after which time they'll have to undergo a strict test by members of the Social Security Department and if they are seen to fail that test um, their benefit will be cut and the essence of passing or failing the test is that you must be seriously looking for work. What's it like job seeking now in, here in London? Well, the jobs here in London you're brought out in the morning and I'll tell you this you're brought out in the morning you're abused for 12 hours a day for something in the region of 15 pound a day. You go up there at 6 o'clock in the morning the governors are sitting big Mercedes up there the lads are sitting there in the vans, you ask for a staff, you get thrown into the van, you're brought 10 miles out the motorway, you're given a shovel, you're thrown down in the hole for 10 hours a day, whatever, you come back in, you don't get paid that day, you have to show up the following morning to get the first day's wages, you go back out that day, you get two days wages, what, you get 15 quid a day, some of them they might not even pay, they might be only economy. There is work here, the men won't go and do it because it's the, they have been abused every second day. They just won't do it. It's as simple as that. What kind yeah. of employers are you talking about? You're... You're... They are Irish men. They are Irish men themselves. They're abusing their own. I'd love it if you were, you know? You're saying that these employers, they're actually Irish employers? They are Irish. I mean, I've, I've been told since I come over here, don't ever work for an Irishman over here, work for an Englishman. He'll treat you a lot better. And the bitterness against Irish employers is also found in the more sober atmosphere of Kilburn's Conway House. Uh, the subcontractors come in here to Conway House and, you know, they come in looking for some labourers and they announce it on the, the public address system and you hear this clatter coming downstairs, everybody's looking for work, you know, and they just go sort of you, you and you. Because there's more, how should you say, the, uh, the amount of people looking for jobs is a lot more than the jobs, you know, that are going. Largely within the Irish Centre, our experience would be with uh, Irish subcontractors, so I cannot um, generalise about contractors in really. But um, what we find is that a lot of the young Irish people are treated badly by Irish subcontractors. Um, subcontractors get an enormous fee for every labour um, that they hire from the main um, contractor and they just give a fraction of that sum uh, which is minimum in, con in relation to what they themselves get to the actual labourer. Uh, the hold of the labourer on his job is highly precarious and um, very often they arrive one day and because they were five minutes late the subcontractor has given the job to some other fellow who walked onto the site. The way it's organised here a lot of people go down to um, Cricklewood and they go looking for what they call a start. You know, you just you hang around outside this cafe. There's different places, like you can, there's a big pub called The Crown in Kilburn. You can go down there and you wait for work, or you go down to the cafe across the road. It's around half seven or eight o'clock, sometimes earlier. And uh, you just hope that somebody will come along and say, are you looking for a start? <laughs> and you go on, you work, like it's mostly nearly 100% Irish, you know, it's all Irish down there. The subways will call in here, like, you know, and they'll pick out the throw lads and They'll go away with them and more subways will come on, like, you know? Yeah. The subways will be calling very shortly, is it? Yeah, probably will. Today is my first day here, like. Yeah. So you're in the hope of getting work, is it? That's it, correct, yeah. So, have you a job lined up here this morning? Or? No, I haven't yet, anyway. I'm just, uh... Have you come here before? 
No, because I haven't laid off last Friday. So you're going to try your luck here this morning, yeah? Yeah, I have to try it now. It's coming up to Christmas. What's work been like since you arrived in Britain then? Uh, it's, it's not too good, man. It's a bad year. I've heard a lot of stories that uh, you get pretty bad jobs sometimes out of the casual work here. Have you heard those stories? Or? Yeah, well, you, you might, you might only maybe get a day's work, two days like you know. We look, you might get two months work, you know. So you're waiting. At what time is it now? It's just after six in the morning. You're waiting here now in the Cricklewood Cafe for just maybe get a couple of days work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I get Christmas over, that's all I want. I'm here looking for work myself, uh, uh, labouring. Yeah. Is it your first morning here? Oh, oh Christ, no. I've been coming here for a while now. Mm. And can you tell me, do you normally get picked up for work or not? Um, well, 80% of the time, yeah. 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 What happens, what will happen this morning? Will, will there will be a sobby will come by, is it? Uh, yeah. Can you describe that to me, what happens? Um, he'll be coming by in his vans and you have to go and like, ask him if it's like, if, if it's like I need a job going, that's it. Mm. Like, you know? And outside on Cricklewood Broadway, it's a cold Monday morning as the builders' vans collect the labourers for work on the roads and construction sites on the outskirts of London. In the pre-dawn darkness, you can just make out the names on the vans. Cronin, Whelan, Murphy, testifying to the continued Irish near-monopoly of the London building industry. And of the hundreds of men lining the Broadway, many have regular work, but many more are casuals, turning up in the hope of a day's wage. Inside the vans, you can just see the subcontractors choosing the men on the street outside, discussing who they will select and who they will leave behind. Well, uh, I thought I might get started up there, but no good. So uh, I'm going to try it here now again because it's up along the cafe as they wait. You're an agent for McNicholas. Um, some of the men you know, find that uh, there can be quite tough employers you know, from agency men. How do you feel about that? Well, I'm sure you know, that Mike Nicholas is not a tough employer. If a man come and do a day's work, anywhere fair, but is we're fair with him. Do you usually take on casual workers in the morning? Never. Oh, every man must be on his calves. Most of the men here this morning who haven't already got a job lined up seem to have been unlucky. Do you think that um, the job situation isn't as good as it was or is getting worse? I think that the young lads coming over from Ireland here on the offices of trying to get work are mad. Do you think some Irish subcontractors exploit workers? Well, uh, that I wouldn't like to say, but I may, uh, I'll reserve my opinion on that. Well, I'm just, I just came here. I'm only here about five minutes. I'd say the work will be... Usually about quarter to seven or to half yeah. seven, your best chance. Do you come here most mornings? Yeah, pretty often. Like I might get two, two or three weeks work for a while and then it keeps me going. And I have to come again looking for casual work. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's hard to get a steady job at the moment. Like building work is slack at this time of year. This London's a city of heartbreak And on Friday there's friends by the score but when the pace bends on a Monday, a friend's not a friend anymore. But the working day seems never ending. From a shovel and pick, there's no break. And when you're not working, you're spending a fortune you left home to make. I remember the bright April morning when I left home to travel afar. 
you get into the job first day, you gotta um, try to settle into it. I mean, you, you see how long you're if, if he's if he's offering you a start at Christmas, you know, work at Christmas, you you know, when you try to, to get to get the job done, you know, work away harder. But I mean, it's only a day's work, guys. I mean, guys only use you, you know, for whatever twenty pound, twenty two pounds. And for any man here that finds fortune and comes home to tell of the tale, each morning the Broadways are crowded with many the thousands who fail. So young men of Ireland take warning in London you never will gold at the end of the rainbow you might just have left it behind I remember the bright April morning when I left home to travel afar or to work till you're dead from one room and a bed just the reason I left falling car I was pregnant and I decided I couldn't stay in Ireland and London was the only the best possible place for me to come to to keep my child. Like so many Irish single mothers, Neave O'Connell has chosen to live in Britain. When I arrived here, first of all, being pregnant, I was cast as a homeless family. So it was the responsibility of the borough council in which I was living to house me. Um, I was put in a bed and breakfast accommodation until a flat was found for me. And um, I had the choice of the best of three offers. So you don't have to take the first one that they offer to you. You can turn down a flat and wait for one that suits you. And um, I was given a very nice flat, which is paid for by Social Security, the, social we the welfare state. And uh, a basic allowance of approximately forty pounds a week. Okay. Here I'd be called a single parent or a single mother at home. I'm an unmarried mother. You can see the difference in attitudes from those very terms. There's no stigma attached to being a single parent in Britain, in modern Britain. There is still in Ireland, and that's one of the reasons why girls leave Ireland and come to live here. I would have liked to have stayed in Ireland. I think it's a better place to bring up a child in one sense, the sense that they're the freedom and you have your family and um, it's an easier environment for a child to grow up in. But you just don't have the choice whether to keep your child. If you can, if you have a job, it's very, very difficult for a single mother to keep her job and look after a small child as well. Um, to live on as an unmarried mother on the unmarried mother's allowance in Ireland. Um, I don't know how much it is, but I would imagine it would be very difficult to pay rent out of that for your own place and to live on it as well and give your child a proper, all the advantages that other children have. Um. The last two years there has been a definite increase in the number of young people coming to England uh, and especially London. 
Gary Gilchrist is a publican at the Archway Tavern, one of the many pubs popular with young Irish people in London. A lot of them uh, prefer to be over here because it's, it's completely new and it's exciting and it's big and it's, uh, when you have money in your pocket it, it, it can be a, a fun place, you know. And you're saying that uh, this pub tonight, for example, there will be music, I understand, yeah? Uh, tonight we have uh, Dingle Spike and uh, there'll be a lot of young, young Irish especially uh, in to see them, you know. Right. So could, could I come along tonight and speak to some of them? Oh, you can, of course, yeah. If, you, if you're here about ten, you must just mic it in the door, you know? I was tall and true, all of six foot two, till they broke me across the back. Why are you in an Irish pub tonight? Huh? I like to meet all my friends here around. It's different areas, like from near home, and I like to just to come and meet them for a drink and all that kind of thing, you know? We cursed the day we went. If I was to go home pregnant to Ireland, they'd look at you, I swear they would, they would stand up in the street and they'd look at you and say, well, I wonder who the father is. You know, they just abandon their own people because you get pregnant, which is one of the main reasons I'm here, because if I was to go home pregnant, my mother would disown me. My friends wouldn't talk to me. My mother doesn't approve of the way I'm living, not being married, which is another Irish custom. And... <laughs> Over here, you can just hold your head up and walk down the street and nobody takes any notice of you and you're just yourself and they take you for yourself. But in Ireland, you have to live up to this image of being really, really Catholic. When's your baby due? Um, February. I don't think I'll go home for Christmas because um, I wouldn't go home pregnant because everybody would look at me and it's, it's a terrible thing to be ashamed to be pr pregnant, be ashamed of your own child. It feels terrible. By name I'm known and it's not my own. They call me Crooked Jack. I was tall and through all of six foot two. Till they broke me across the back. By name I'm known and it's not my own. They call me Crooked Jack. Jack McCarthy, well, you're an Irish folk musician playing on the London scene. There's quite a big crowd of young Irish people here tonight. Do you think there's actually an increase in the amount of young Irish people in London, though? What do you make of that? Yeah, it looks like it at this particular moment in time. Especially within the last year, I think there has been a sort of a, a big uh, surge of Irish back over to this country. And so they come to musicians like you, who they enjoy? Well, they come to bands that they know of, you know. How do you feel yourself about playing on the London circuit? Do you enjoy living in London? Uh, well, I've been here quite a while, and I'm... I'm sort of grows on you. And at closing time, four Irish nurses are determined to keep the fun going. Why did you decide to move to London? Because I had no pull at home. So I had to come here to London. If you don't have pull at home, you don't get a job. You don't need pull in London to get nursing, whereas you do need pull at home to get nursing. You can get into a job in London here, it's by what you know. But at home, you can't get in by that. It's who you know, not what you know. And that's what happens all the time at home. 
And that's why the majority of Irish girls are over here nursing in London. Uh, in London, it's okay if you have money, but if you're like us now on a dole, you can't really go out and enjoy yourself, you know, because it's too expensive, really. In Elephanton Castle, I spoke to six young men sharing digs, all from Cove. They have arrived in London one after the other over the last year, each one attracted by having friends to stay with while job prospects could be explored. Yeah, well, I was laid off from Brom Dockyard about a year ago and there was nothing at home for me. So it was just, that's about it, homework, come over here and look for something. So come over here and make the most of it. There's plenty of work if you're not fussy about what to do. So basically I just, I went into, um, an employment agency. They said, like, if you want to work inside in kitchen hens or doing portering or bar work, that sort of way, you can do it. So, how long have you been in London? Um, about three months now. And you've been able to have work all the time? Well, in between, but you know, just looking around. But then again, like, if you're fussy about what you want to do, like, mm -hmm. um, I'm here just by trade, but over here, like, it's not the work I want, but it's hard, like, to get in. Like, I went to a load of interviews, like, and everyone just said, like, after Christmas, we've sort out something. But obviously, people in London that have trained in London mm. basically get a start before an Irish bloke will get a start mm. in the salon. Mm -hmm. I'm very bitter of the fact that you go in for an interview and uh, you stay there the whole day, you work, so you're bringing good money. And, like, at the end of the day, just get a thank you and we'll get in contact. Yeah, well, um, I'm a qualified middle fabricator shipbuilder from Rome Dockyard, and... Over here, there's no shipwork, so I just take casual work. Yeah. Anything comes my way. Do you feel that's a big come down for you that you know you you're a qualified man, but you have to do casual work here in London? Well, I'd rather be at my trade, obviously. So, you know, it is a come down, but you take what you can get. And send the money home as well to the family, you know. And then there's the rent to pay here, then you know, and just the living's just uh, survive, you know. So we just both come out with just a couple of pounds at the end of the week. Um, all my family back home are uh, unemployed, you know. I've, uh, Two brothers and three sisters, and they're not working at all. Uh, Richard, he's the eldest. He's working with Irish Shipping. He finished up there because Irish Shipping just went bankrupt. They closed up, you know. So there's nothing doing for them. I can't see any future at all. Yeah, I'm just looking around this room here, I mean, it looks like a fairly typical bedroom of four fellows who've been, you know, out the night before and didn't particularly want to tidy up when they came in, you know. But uh, <laughs> um, how do you feel about that? Do you think most blokes know how to survive kind of thing once they're pitched into digs, you know? Yeah, well, at home, my mother done absolutely everything for me. When I came in, even my dinner was ready at the table. Laundry was done, washing was done. So I hear it's different to everything for myself. And what's it, what's it been like learning to do that? I suppose it makes you more independent. Learn to cope, do your own washing, keep yourself by close yourself. At home, like, basically, we all had to pitch in and do a small bit. So it wasn't really any big problem, like, helping out around here. Do you think that most uh, young men, when they have to fend for themselves domestically, like, do their own cooking and cleaning and so on, that they're well equipped for it? Well, not really. <laughs> I suppose, so, like, most Irish boys are sort of spoiled by their parents. So, um, basically, like, just starting from scratch to learn. There's just letters come um, every week, just, um, just to keep us in touch, like, you know, so we know quite a lot what's happening back home in Cove. In fact, we know more that's, that's happening back home in Cove over here than we would if we were back home in Cove, you know? So you keep contact all the time with your hometown? Yeah, we keep in contact, like, you know? Just uh, know what's happening when we go back for Christmas, we won't be lost. Yeah. Who gets the most letters? Uh, Peter Keeney. <laughs> <laughs> he gets about six every week. <laughs> Who from? Uh, mainly all dolls, you know? 
Yeah, I'm writing to my girlfriend back home in Cove. But she's not from Cove, she's my character. But um you so you keep up keep up your romance there. Don't you have any romances here in London? Oh no way. <laughs> Should kill me. <laughs> Salvation Army Band on a December's night in Oxford Street, adding to the magic that is London at Christmas. But in London, nearly every Irish person you meet wants to make it home for Christmas at least, if at all possible. And even more strikingly, it is a near universal feeling among Irish people that Britain should not remain their home for the rest of their lives. You'll meet people who have worked in London for 40 years, but who still want to return to Ireland if they can. And among the new generation of immigrants, the feeling is repeated. If circumstances change at home, if Ireland can offer the chance of a livelihood, then they will return to live, to work, and to raise families. Well, I'm going home for Christmas, and I'll probably come back after Christmas. Well, I am coming back because there's no work at home, you know? But if I ever got a letter saying, come home, there's a job, you know? I'd, I'd go back. Yeah. <laughs> Providing the money was good. I would like to go back to Ireland to live. Um, I think it's the dream of most people living in Britain, in London, to be able to go back to live in Ireland. But I think at this stage it's just a dream. Really the practicalities at the moment are if the social welfare system at home match that here where I could stay in ho at home and look after her full-time without suffering economically. Um, then I would go back to Ireland, of course I would. But at the moment, I think that's just a dream. Mm -hmm.